You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Okay, we've, we've been working through a sermon series called Making Ready for Christmas because, let's be honest, we don't want the Christmas season to come and go and we miss it completely, that we don't engage what Christmas is truly all about. And so last week we looked at a little family of three and how this family of three, uh, they, they revealed to us our own need for Jesus in so many different areas of our life. And this morning I want to turn your attention to a young woman named Mary. Mary, the first person ever to receive Jesus into her life. How's that for a thought? Could it be that Mary was the first Christian in all of human history? The very first person to say yes to the good news of God's salvation in the arrival of Christ? We got a great deal to learn from Mary, and and her story is likely familiar to you, and this morning, I want to help you hear Mary's story as God's personal invitation to you. Her story as God's personal invitation to you. His invitation to receive Jesus afresh and anew into your life. Turn with me to our text. It's in Luke chapter 1. We've worked through the beginning of Luke chapter 1. Now we're we're coming uh, to to kind of the middle section. Uh, And I'm going to be reading Luke 1 verses 26 to 44, all the way to verse 44. So tune your ear to the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, of Elizabeth's pregnancy. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus. There are many here this morning who have heard this text read many, many, many times. But Jesus, we know that you are the living word. And so we pray that you, the living word, would bring life to us afresh as we sit under your word and your way. Jesus, I know what's to come in this text. I know what I want to preach. But only you know what you want to do in the lives of your people. And so we pray that you'd come afresh upon us and that we would know your presence in a powerful way again this morning. Through your word, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So every Advent season, the church around the globe, no no matter where you are, no matter what country you're in, the church around the globe celebrates Advent by reflecting on four different themes. And and we're never fully sure which kind of order they come in, right? (laughs) We have love and we have peace and hope and joy. These are the four themes of Advent. And Advent quite simply means arrival. And so we reflect on how the arrival of Jesus, the advent of Jesus, brings us the love and the peace and the joy and the hope of heaven, of God. This morning, I I want you to know at the outset that that we actually see all four of these themes at play in Mary's story. All four of these advents, all four of these arrivals with the coming of Jesus. Jesus. We see love and peace and hope and joy. And so really that becomes my sermon outline. (laughs) I want to help you see each of these themes in Mary's story as you make ready for Christmas yourselves. And Mary's story begins with the advent of love, the arrival of love, of God's love. We're told in the text that Mary is engaged to Joseph and, and an angel appears to her. And we need to understand at this point that it's the same angel that, that appeared to Zechariah in the story that we walked through last, last week. It's the same angel. It's, it's the angel Gabriel. And so, so Mary's pregnant, uh, and, 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 or sorry, she's engaged to Joseph, and, and Gabriel appears to her. The same Gabriel that appeared to Zechariah. And so look again at verse 28. We're told, the angel went to her, to Mary, and said this, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What a greeting. And at those words, we're told in verse 29 that that Mary is unsettled. She's unsettled by the angel's greeting. Look at what it says. The text says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Mary was greatly troubled. And the question that I want to ask before we go any further is why? Why was Mary troubled? What was troubling her at this point? And now we, we might think that the obvious answer is it was troubling that there was an angel standing before her speaking. I mean, that sounds a little odd, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, it, it certainly is not something that happens every day. It, it would be troubling. 
It would be unsettling. When we read about Gabriel, the angel, visiting Zechariah, this was the story from last week. When, when the angel visited, the same angel visited Zechariah, we're told how Zechariah responds. It's in Luke 1, 12. The text says that Zechariah was startled and he was gripped by fear because of the angel's presence. That's what the text tells us. But with Mary, we're told it's not the angel's presence that troubles her. Did you see this? It's his words. It's his greeting. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Do you see this in the text? Mary is troubled by the angel's words that said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. I suspect in that moment, what was troubling Mary was to hear these words saying that she was highly favored. <laughs> she probably looked at her life and thought, I'm highly favored? <laughs> really? Like, I might be having some kind of dream as I hear these things, but, but I'm highly favored, really favored by God? I'm guessing that if you were to look at Mary's life up to that point, there was nothing to indicate that she was highly favored by God. Nothing uh, to indicate that she was more highly favored than any of the other people around her. I mean, what we know about Mary is that Mary didn't come from much. She uh, came from, uh, from, from humble beginnings. She lived in a small town that had small town problems. And we also know that, that her betrothed, Joseph, he didn't come from much either. He belonged to the working class of a small town called Nazareth. And despite being an honest man and, and being a good man, Mary's present and future life was firmly fixed in the category of the humble and the poor. Joseph wasn't going to improve that, that station at all. And so I suspect Mary heard the angel's greeting and thought, I'm highly favored by God. There's little in my life to show for it. I wonder if you ever feel that way. And so the question remains, why, why did the angel call Mary highly favored? Because I think this is why she was troubled. Why did the angel call her highly favored? Did Mary's favor rest in her character? Was she favored because she was pure in heart, without sin, blameless? There are some within the church that think that is why Mary was favored by God. The Roman Catholic Church, for instance, speaks about the Immaculate Conception. It's the belief that, that Mary was without sin. And that's why God favored her to carry the Son of God in her belly. Does Mary's favor rest in her own character? I don't think so. And here's why. I don't think so because that detail is obviously missing in Luke's telling of the story here. It's obviously missing. Now, stick with me for a moment and let me explain that. So, as Luke tells this Christmas story, so far we've read most of chapter 1. And throughout this uh, narrative in chapter 1, there has been one angel who has visited two different people. 
The one angel, Gabriel, has visited first Zechariah and then Mary. And when the angel visits Zechariah, Luke is intentional to tell us about Zechariah's character. It's in Luke 1, verse 6. We're told that, that he, along with his wife, that Zechariah is righteous and blameless. Luke is careful to tell us this detail, that Zechariah is righteous and blameless. But here's the thing. Luke doesn't say that about Mary. He doesn't include that detail. It's, it's not a detail that Luke wants us to know. Righteousness, purity, blamelessness. There is no indication in the text that these are the source of God's favor toward Mary. And so the question remains... Why would the angel greet Mary as one who is highly favored? Well, I actually think the angel tells us why. He tells us why right after his greeting. Listen to the verse again. The angel went to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Why is Mary highly favored? Because the Lord is with her. God has come near to her. He's entered her life and intends to enter her life in a magnificent way. God has come near. He is with you. You see this, church? Mary's favor does not rest in her actions. It doesn't rest in her righteousness or, or her blamelessness. Her favor rests in the simple fact that God has chosen to enter her life in a powerful way. And sometimes I wonder how we've missed this. Because it's the gospel at the beginning of Luke's gospel. That the holy God shows his favor to imperfect people. Regular people. People in need. And he shows his favor by drawing near. By coming close. He comes close not because of our effort and not because of our blamelessness, not because of our good deeds, but because he loves us. It's his favor. He comes close so that we might know him. And church, this is what the advent of love looks like. It's what the arrival of love looks like. God is with you. It's the advent of love. God is is with you. He's with you not because of your own goodness, but because of his great love. And this is profoundly, this, this, is, this is exactly why Mary was favored. As I was reading the text this morning, it came to my mind that we see kind of this idea happening again when, when Mary visits Elizabeth. And Mary uh, visits Elizabeth. And, and see what, remember, see what Mary, or Elizabeth says to Mary. Uh, it's somewhere in here. Um, Elizabeth said to Mary, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But then she says this, but why am I so favored? Again, favor. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What's the favor? The favor is the visitation. It's the presence. And this is what love looks like. God comes close. He brings his favor. His favor rests in his presence coming to people who need him, who, who, 
who are imperfect and unholy, but the holy God comes to us with his presence and his favor. It's what the advent of love looks like. God is with you. And mark this. Just as the angel said to Mary, you who are highly favored because God has come near, the same is true about each and every one of you. Each and every one of us. You are highly favored. You're favored by God. You're favored by God because he has come close to you. He's come in the person of Jesus. And you're not perfect. <laughs> I'm not perfect. I'm not holy. You're not holy. But Jesus has come close because he loves you. And he's come so close that, that he's made way for, for him through his Holy Spirit to live in us. That's how close he is. Closer than your next breath. It's the arrival of love. Jesus has come to bring God close. Not because of anything we've done. Not because of our goodness, but because of his love. This is the advent of love. God is with you. Next comes the advent of peace. And we see the arrival of peace in, in the promise that is given in verse 31 to 33. The angel says to Mary in the text, look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Here's the thing. The angel speaks about this child that Mary will carry in her womb, and, and his name is to be called Jesus. And the promise of peace that I want you to pay attention to, the promise of peace is wrapped up in his name. Because Jesus literally means Yahweh saves. Yahweh being God. Yahweh saves. It's what Jesus means. The promise of peace is wrapped up in his name. Yahweh saves. Jesus isn't simply the arrival of God's love. He's the arrival of God's salvation that brings peace. And this is what the imagery in, in these three verses is all about. It's about God rescuing people in need. When, when we read about the throne of David and that he'll rule over Jacob's descendants and that his kingdom will, will know no end, those things actually come from Isaiah, which was read this morning. Uh, there, there were shades of it in, in the Advent reading this morning. All of this pointed toward God's promise that Mary would have known very well. And the promise was this, that one day God would return to his people as king. And in returning to his people as king, he would set right everything that is wrong in them and in their world. God would return through his anointed one to sort out the mess, to defeat God's enemies, and to set his people on their feet again. It was the promise, the promise of salvation, the promise of peace, which is what the angel is saying to Mary. 
He's saying God is about to do all of this through the child that you will bear, the one you will call Yahweh saves. He will bring God's salvation. He will set the world right again. He will defeat God's enemies. He will bring peace. Peace not only to a life that is out of sync with God and his goodness, but peace to a world that is out of sync with God and his goodness. That's what the advent of peace looks like. The arrival of peace looks like this. God is for you. He's for you. God doesn't simply come close in the person of Jesus because he loves you. The one called Yahweh saves draws near to fight the battle that we are powerless to win on our own. The battle against God's true enemies, which are sin and death and evil. Jesus has come to sort out the mess, to defeat the enemies and to set us on our feet again. God is not simply with you. He is for you. He battles for you. He has come in order to establish you in a life of peace with him. John 3.17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. (laughs) Thank goodness. But he sent him to save the world through that son, through Jesus. God is for you. He draws near to bring the peace of God into your life, to fix what's broken, to heal what's hurt, to forgive what's wrong. That's the advent of peace. That's what the arrival of peace looks like. God is for you. He's come close to win the battle, to bring you peace. That's good news. God is not against you. He's for you. That's why he came. And we need him. The advent of love, God is with you. The advent of peace, God is for you. We come back to the text. The angel promises Mary God's rescue through the child Jesus. She promises this salvation, this peace. But Mary, at this point in the story, she offers an obvious kind of protest, right? Verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? This is an important detail in the whole thing. And if you're not sure why, either ask your parent uh, or... uh, Uh, Or you can ask Pastor Chris. (laughs) It's an important detail. But church, herein lies the advent of hope. If the advent of love is that God is with you and the advent of peace is that God is for you, then the advent of hope is that God will not fail you. He will not fail. The angel responds to Mary's protest more or less saying this. He says, Mary, God will do what only God can do. And then he offers a reason for her hope. What comes next is a reason for her to hope. Look at verses 36 and 37. The angel says, look, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And and she was the one who was said that she was unable to conceive, but she's in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. 
Mary gives the obvious protest. How can this be? And then the angel answers by pointing to something God has already done. (laughs) He points to another woman who shouldn't be pregnant. But for her, it's for a totally different reason. Elizabeth was barren her whole life. She was past the years of childbearing. Yet God had promised her a child. And now the angel is saying, look at her because she's in her third trimester. In effect, the angel gives Mary a reason to hope. And he says, look at what God has already done. Look at Elizabeth. Mark this church. Hope is what happens when we realize what God is truly capable of. Let me say it again. Hope is what happens when we realize what God is truly capable of. Hope arises. The angel then gives the best definition of biblical hope that you will ever hear. This is the best definition. The angel says, no word from God will ever fail. It's the definition of biblical hope. Because when the Bible speaks about hope, it it doesn't mean wishful thinking. Right? We don't, as God's people, say, I really hope that God will come through for us. Hope in the scriptures rests in the certainty that God always does what he says he will do. That he always does what he says he will do. Christian hope is trusting in a God who has never failed a promise yet, and he's not about to start. The angel says to Mary, because God has said it, He will not fail you. This is what the advent of hope looks like. It's what the arrival of hope looks like. God will not fail you. Our hope for the future rests in a God who always does what he says he will do. Now, I know that there are a number of people, a good number of people who When you prepare for Christmas, one of the preparations that you do is is you prepare by guarding your heart. You prepare for the grief that you might experience. You prepare for the hardship. Perhaps you've lost someone dear and and you've experienced loss and uh, and grief. Or maybe for you, maybe you went through actually a, a trauma during the Christmas season. And, and, and the pain of those things seems to arise. They come to the surface at Christmas time for you. And if this describes you, I'm assuming that, that Christmas isn't a magical, joy-filled season in your life, but rather it can be really sad and feel isolating and lonely. Lots of people experience this. And so you, you prepare for Christmas by, by finding a way to get through, whether that's gritting your teeth or, or just getting through while everyone else is singing a happy song. But I want you to know there's something for you in Mary's story here, something you can't miss. You may feel like you cannot enter the joy of the season. You can't enter the joy. You might feel like you can't enter the peace of the season or even the love of the season, but I want you to invite you into the hope of the season. It's the same hope that the angel offered Mary that night. The hope that God will not fail you. He will not fail you. It's the sure and certain hope that one day the grief that you carry today will be healed in God's tomorrow. 
He said it. And he'll make it happen. It's the sure and certain hope that one day you will know the joy of the Lord again and his peace and his love too and everything that comes with it. And so maybe for you, as you make ready for Christmas, that that a way of making ready for Christmas for you is giving yourself permission to focus on the arrival of hope over all the others. Jesus has drawn near to you. He sees your heartache, and he is making good on his promise to make you whole again. He will not fail. This is what the arrival of hope looks like. God will not fail you. The advent of love, God is with you. The advent of peace, God is for you. The advent of hope, God will not fail you. And what remains is the advent of joy. But there's something I want you to see before we get to the joy. And it's what Mary says before the joy of the Lord arrives in her life. Verse 38, look at the text. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered the angel. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now at this point in Mary's journey, she's standing at this risky crossroads in her life. Because saying yes to God would mean an uncertain future for her. I mean, she was uncertain as to whether she would lose everything that she had in her life. I mean, would she lose her husband-to-be? Would she lose her family? Would she lose her reputation amongst this small town that she lived in? I mean, imagine trying to explain to your betrothed and your family and the town how you became pregnant. (laughs) If Joseph or anyone else rejected her, she would be more or less ruined, living in a small town with limited options and lots of people who whisper. She would most certainly wear the scarlet letter for the rest of her life. Saying yes to God would have been an enormous risk. It would have come at a great cost. Yet, mark this, yet Mary was willing I'm the Lord's servant, she said. In Mary, we see the advent of a willing heart, the arrival of a willing heart. Now, here's what I don't want you to miss. God's salvation was carried to the world through a young woman who was willing to take the risk. We can't miss this. Mary quite literally carried the gospel inside of her. And one of the reasons we know about the love and the peace and the hope of God's salvation is because Mary was willing to take the risk and carry Jesus to a weary world. We know Christ because of her willingness. This is what we cannot miss as we make ready for Christmas. The message of Jesus is carried to the world through willing people. People like you and me people like us. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I get wrapped up in myself at Christmas. And that's not a pun. I don't wrap myself up. But I get wrapped up in myself at Christmas. The season becomes about my things, about, about my traditions and, and, and my favorite foods and, and, and my gifts and my, my family. But Mary invites us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. 
to say yes to the risky and costly endeavor of carrying Jesus and his gospel to the people around us. Mary makes us ready for Christmas, a kind of Christmas where we lay down our self-life and say like she did, I'm the Lord's servant. Use me. I'm saying yes, Jesus. And now I wonder what that might look like for you this Christmas season, to be like Mary, to give your yes to caring the love and, and the hope and the, and the goodness of God to the people around you. Perhaps it's something as simple as uh, inviting your, your friends and family to, to one of our services. It might be a way. Or maybe it's about inviting your, your neighbor to have tea with you sometime over this season. People are at home. People are, 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 are willing to, to meet. <laughs> Not willing. They're maybe happy. Well, it depends on your relationship with your neighbor, okay? But maybe that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> But inviting someone into your home to bless them, or, or maybe it's writing a Christmas card. Did you remember when we used to do that? Or writing a Christmas card and, and, and writing a prayer, a blessing, a word. You don't need to, don't put a four-track spiritual law. That's just a little weird, especially if you've never sent them something ever before. But, but just tell them about how you care for them, maybe how you're praying for them. As they know that you're a person of faith, it's, it's a step, it's a way of inviting other people into your life with Jesus. One of the reasons our friends and neighbors don't know about Jesus is because we're afraid to invite them into our own lives. But that's what we need to learn to do because we carry Jesus. And maybe another way it might look like for you is to serve someone less fortunate in Jesus' name, to follow his lead. I don't know what it looks like for you. But my prayer is that this Christmas you might have the advent of a willing heart. One that says, I'm the Lord's servant. I will carry Christ to the people around me. Which brings us to the final thing, the advent of joy. That comes next in Mary's story. And I think it's significant that joy comes after the willing heart. Isn't that often the case? We experience joy when we give of ourselves. We experience joy when we serve other people. Have, have you ever felt that, experience that? Joy comes for Mary after her willing heart. And joy arrives in this moment with Elizabeth, who she goes to see. And Elizabeth is six months pregnant at this point. And so you can imagine the scene between these two women. Both have received this incredible promise of an unlikely child. And then they meet to swap stories. And verse 44 captures the sentiment of the meeting. Elizabeth says to Mary, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Something joyful was stirring. That's what happens when you give your yes to the God who is with you. That's what happens when you give your yes to the God who is for you. That's what happens when you give your yes to the God who will not fail you. See, this is what the advent of joy looks like. This is what the arrival of joy looks like. Jesus is your delight. He's your delight. So church, here is Mary's advent story. God is with you, the advent of love. God is for you, the advent of peace. God will not fail you, the advent of hope. 
And God's Son, Jesus, is your delight, the advent of joy. All that is left is the advent of a willing heart. Let's pray. Jesus, you have done something so incredible in the history of the world. But maybe even more incredible is the fact that that you are inviting us in as well. (laughs) That you've shown your great favor to us because of your great love. And Lord, uh, on behalf of uh, people in this room, I want to say, Lord, we do. We want to be part of something bigger than ourselves this Christmas season. And so we offer you willing hearts. And we say, Jesus, we don't know the way. Will you lead us? Jesus, will you show us the way? And we thank you that you are for us, that you're with us, that you will not fail us, and that you are our delight. And so we continue to worship you, Jesus, with grateful hearts.